2: This episode of Fanatics includes adult language and content. Listener discretion advised.
1: So like probably 20 years ago, I wrote a play called Potential Space where I made a woman play my vagina and another woman play my heart and another woman play my head. And then I played the female that they all existed in.
2: You were so early on the Pixar movie. I you were know, like- so early. <laughs> like you did it 20 years before.
3: All right, kids, grab your tickets, strap in. It's a roller coaster of an episode. We have on today a very special guest, but before we even do that, let me tell you about my very special co-host, as always, Miss Claire Kramer. Hi, Claire.
2: Hi, David Magadoff. How are you doing today?
3: I am very excited because we just had ourselves a lovely conversation with the most wonderful Kirsten Vangsness, You know her from Criminal Minds, everyone. I don't even have to tell you that. Shelf Life, Pretty the Series. Of course, she's a force on the old Instagram. Check her out. But we had her on today to talk about something that I learned a whole lot about. Why don't you share with us, Miss Claire Kramer?
2: You know, it's funny because when we were discussing with her and her PR team what she would like to talk about, she was like, oh, yeah, like I love – I'm like really fanatical about Duran Duran and Doctor Who and also the female sexual response cycle. And I think uh, everyone on the fanatics team was like, ooh. Like, That's the one. We were the like one. the meme of like, ooh. <laughs> oh yes, that's definitely the one. So just to give like a broad definition, because a lot of times when people think about sex or female sex or male sex or, you know, whatever combination, self-sex, I guess you could say, they think about the orgasm as being, like, the goal or the achievement or, you know, what sex means.
3: The everything.
2: Yeah, the the pinnacle, which it is the apex of the sexual response cycle, but the response cycle actually takes... The female experience, and I'm sure there's a male one out there as well. I'm not as familiar with it because we didn't just discuss it. But the female sexual response cycle takes the experience of the female body, the vagina, and all the inner workings of the vagina, and breaks it down into four stages, which I thought was extremely educational. So the first stage is the excitement or the arousal stage where – you know, you're, you're thinking about sex and things, you know, the blood flow to the vagina increases and, you know, different chemical things start to happen. So that's the excite And the excitement phase can last, you know, 20 minutes to a couple hours. The next stage is the p- plateau stage where I think a lot of women get caught from speaking with other women where you're aroused and you're excited, but you haven't achieved the orgasm. The takeaway is the plateau phase is normal, which Kirsten does a great job of explaining how emotionally and intellectually everything plays into that. But once you surpass the plateau stage, that's your apex, the orgasm, where obviously the muscles contract, the uterus contracts, you know, there's secretion of fluids, you know, all that stuff, all that good stuff. You feel euphoria, (laughs) and then the moment after which i actually wasn't aware this was considered part of the cycle was resolution where your body returns to normal and not just you know you you still feel the mental euphoria state perhaps but you're, you know the blood flows to other areas of your body and the excitement and arousal is gone and there's that's why it's called the resolution
3: aka cuddle time major cuddle time
2: so Kirsten does a really phenomenal job of walking David and I through the female sexual response cycle. We get into like a couple really interesting topics, which we can talk more about in the post show wrap up. But that is, you know, I just wanted to give everyone a little bit of a background in case you weren't off the hand familiar as I wasn't before doing this episode.
3: Because let's be honest, she's wonderful on Criminal Minds. I met her at a awards show for the Audio Society, and she was emceeing and hosting. But again, what I love about this podcast is you think you know somebody, and then there's a whole nother level, and it was an absolute joy. So if you were ever to give our podcast five stars, I think today's the day. Enjoy.
2: (laughs) Kirsten, let's just dive right in. Explain to someone, the female sexual response cycle, if they don't know what that term means.
1: Okay. The female sexual response cycle is the response cycle of a female, or as I like to think, any feminine bent creature, right, who identifies in more on their feminine side than on their masculine side, because as we all know, everybody's got both in the middle and all the things. And notice I'm not saying orgasm. I'm saying the female sexual response cycle. I am a little obsessed with it, so it starts at desire. So it's desire, okay. Arousal, orgasm. It's in there, right?
2: It's it's one of the factors. Yes. And what's it's one the of the four- factors? What's the fourth? Resolution. Resolution. Okay.
3: She's holding up her four fingers and circling her other hand around them, just for visual.
1: I was actually thinking about it today because I was thinking about other things I'm a fan of that are similar. Like I'm a fan of Duran Duran. Think of this as band members, right?
3: John, Paul, George, and Ringo.
1: Yes. Think of. Desire, arousal, orgasm, and resolution. Think of those as seasons of Doctor Who. They're not going solo.
2: They're not releasing singles. They're not, you know.
1: Yeah, no, eclexism, I always say his last name wrong. But that that season, it's like, that's the part where you're like, I'm not really, I don't get the hype. That's and then you might be like big about David Tennant and you're like, bring it more now, you know? And then there's then there's times and parts of it where you're like, why are we doing an episode about the wrongs of Amazon somehow built into Doctor Who? That could be like where you're in the resolution you're like I'm done no more. They're necessary altogether. They live separately. They have very distinct special roles because when you are a feminine person, I believe that like you're connected to like the universe everybody is. Their femininity is what connects you to the universe. It's like your spirituality, it's like the groundedness of the earth and all the airiness of here, it's like smushed together in your your womb space. And I think that's amazing. And what's amazing about it is I think people make it like sexy or like it only belongs to certain people who either look a certain way or their bodies can do a certain thing or they didn't have certain things happen to them, but it's actually This great, big, like, tome of learning in which we all get to like, it's like your own personal ayahuasca journey if you want it to be every time you approach it, whether you are the one having it or you are the one interfacing with it.
2: (laughs) From what you're saying, it sounds like, to you at least, the female sexual response cycle represents like the epitome or the pinnacle of femininity. you know what I'm saying.
1: Femininity or femininity, both things. Yes. But I also think, yes, I think it, I think it represents, you can't have life and and I'm talking, you know, you can't have creativity. You can't have anything. We have a space. We take nothing and we make something out of it. And whether that's a, baby or soup or, a br- or bread or an orgasm or a feeling or a crygasm or whatever, I think that that it, it's it's really special because I think that we get told that there's a right way of what feminine is and there's a right way to be a girl and there's a right way to have sex and what sex is, sex is like whatever the fuck. I'm queer, so I am bisexual and identify as queer and Although I'm in a heteronormative relationship, I find that, like, I've described to someone before, like, I have queer sex. And to me, queer sex is, if you're eating ice cream and you're having sensual response to it, you get to call it sex if you want. You don't have to have this idea that this other person is dictating, pun, (laughs) what it is, you know? And I, I think that there's also something about it that's very it's like a take back. It's like, this is ours and it's real. Uh And we get told all these things about it. And then we act as if, I mean, don't even get me started. It's a totally different thing I'm a fan of, but don't get me started about how Europe just gave us, you know, just gave people two days off for their period during the month. Like we've been telling ourselves that it's in our minds and we need to just buck up and go to work. And it's the same thing with the female sexual response cycle. Like, so, that's why I'm so fascinated about it. and i I want everyone else to be fans of it
3: well, this is this is your place,
2: yes. ok. First of all, I'm nominating you for the next companion on Doctor. Who. That's done. <laughs> um- <laughs>
3: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize on my bingo card today for this episode that Doctor Who was going to come up, and I love it.
1: Yes. Yeah, I want us to all think about that every time we watch it. You're like, what part of the sexual response cycle is this episode?
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when I grew up, it was really the only vocal person we had out there speaking about, you know, sex in general, and it wasn't even just female sex. It was really about partner sex, it was Doctor Ruth, you know? Yeah. She was sort of the first woman or person who came out and was is like, let me normalize this behavior that we all have, we all feel, we all love. So when in your life did the sexual response cycle sort of get pointed out to you as a A, B, C, D, you know, a systematic approach to like, or it's like, it's almost like a math problem. Like yeah, you're saying, is, like one has to go to the next and yeah, whatever. Yeah. When did you first learn about this like staircase
1: yeah. of definition? Okay. So- I'm laughing and I'm laughing because sometimes you got to laugh about things. Otherwise, you'll just cry your eyes up, you know, and that's okay. I think me and almost every single person that breathes air had sexual trauma happen when I was growing up. And it made me still to this day, and I'm going to be 50 on July 7th. So still to this day, it made me feel some kind of way about an orgasm. It made me feel terrified. It made me feel like someone was taking my power away. And then sex in general, sex with another person, sex by myself. There was like this. It's sort of like you just agree. And I think all of us to some degree have this. Like when you have an orgasm and you're going through like puberty and stuff, especially you just agree you're going to put this shame backpack on. Like you've got it. You really want to do this thing. You're going to take it off for two seconds. This thing's going to happen. And then you're going to put the shame back back on again. It's going to be even heavier. And I've always been like a person who's like uh, decided to create myself. And it was something that was so like taken for me and defined for me. And I was bullied about the way I looked as a kid. I, I looked like, which I think now is very celebrated, it's Pat from Saturday night live. If you want to look that up, if you don't know and you go, no, 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 you did. I did. And that's okay. And that's, I'm proud of it. But I got, I got sort of made fun of a lot and like you like this and you're like this and and if, if anybody found out, like anybody got my journal and they saw someone I had a crush on, like the things kids would say about it and you know how gross kids could be. And you're like, no, I, I don't want to stick that in my, I do so bad. Like you'd get so confused. And I got so attacked for like having breasts early and, and also then getting sexually activated like that. And your love map gets all like twisty and weird. And I didn't know. I just didn't know. And then- having sexual relationships based on reflections of primary caregiver things that happened. And you're like, recreating stuff. And you're thinking, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is the way this works. Oh, I'm not supposed to do that. I am supposed to do that. And why don't I work and all of that. And it sort of drew me to like, okay, I'm just going to find out all the answers. Because that's just my way of handling things. Find all the answers and then make art out of it. So like, Probably 20 years ago, I wrote a play called Potential Space, where I made a woman play my vagina, and another woman play my heart, and another woman play my head, and then I played the female that they all existed in.
2: You were so early on the Pixar movie. I am You were so early. (laughs) Like, you did it 20 years before. I know. (laughs) I had
1: a friend of mine make a giant map of my vagina as a Narnian map with a kitty rescue in it. And so it's half correct and half just fantasy because I was kind of like, I need to take this back. And it was all about how I couldn't feel pleasure. It was all about how I was so freaked out and I had so much like confusing, like pain, not pain. I don't know what that is. And it interrupted. So my path was like this interrupted sexual response cycle, which has forced me in a good way because it's. I think I'm so not special about this. But I have a tendency when something is happening to want to talk about it and create it and stuff like that. So then the act of being able to talk to my friends or make art about it, or whatever, and go like, oh, yeah, sex feels like a thousand needles of fire to me. And then you hear another friend who has sex all the time and it doesn't bother her. She's like, oh, wait, I have that happen sometimes, too. And notice dudes don't ever say in order to have sex with you, sometimes it feels like a thousand needles needles of fire. You will never hear them say that, probably. No offense to you, David, but that, that probably has never happened. I don't know how you have sex. I'm making an assumption you stick it in
3: things. I do it upside down, but you can keep going.
1: <laughs> so because sex was painful, and I didn't understand that. I went to a pelvic floor physical therapist and I literally had someone and again, this was before these are more normal now. I had a pelvic floor physical therapist about 20 years ago who, fun fact, I co-own a distillery in Orange County called the Blinking Owl Distillery. Me and her co-own that distillery together. And the way we met was she stuck her hands up my vagina and massaged it around and created blood flow and we talked. And it was like, you forget, you, we get taught this stuff about our response, that it's supposed to be just like a plug and play, like a turnkey, like a, you know what I mean? And it's so not, it's like this wonderland. And we judge ourselves if it is a wonderland and we, I do this anyway, we treat other women that like, oh, you just do this, 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 boom, like they're magic. And all of us have our own magical little path. And sometimes we get
0: caught in a land and that's okay. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts.
3: Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness.
0: He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com metaverseimpact. metaverse impact.
1: You
2: know, even to
0: this day, it's
2: so under discussed, not just the sexual response cycle, but the female anatomy, you know, I can honestly tell you, I had four kids and I had them without any interventions, no epidurals, no anything. (gasps) No one told me what was going to happen during Mm -hmm. birth, right after birth, Mm -hmm. six months after birth. Mm -hmm. You know, now that my youngest is eight, eight years after, I'm still dealing with repercussions, you know, nobody talks about this shit. For you, knowledge was power. Knowledge was getting you past the, you know, just the excitement, the plateau stage and like encompassing like the full experience.
1: Yeah. The full experience of what happens, like even just on your body, like what you were saying, the, I'm going to say this wrong, the vestibular bulbs, you know, everyone talks about like the clitoris. The clitoris, it's a, and, I, and I, clitoris are great. Some people can't even have theirs touched. Some people need a different... That's what's so amazing about the female body is that under the clitoris, there's these vestibular bulbs and they swell up and they get really puffy. But they're like kind of around your outer labia and inner labia. But people never think. And if you tell a girl, if they go real slow and they... Mess with that bit for a while. And then they go in. What happens is those vestibular bulbs get all puffy. And when they get puffy, it makes sex more pleasurable. So people go, oh, you got to get up here on the cliff. No, if you go to the vestibular bulbs and you get those all like high, then you go up. Now it, you will be revered as an immortal being who, you know, drinks the elixir of the gods and goddesses. If you know that. I just had a conversation like two weeks ago with my with my partner who like, we have a great time. And I have incredibly awkward sex. I can have like one time, it can be like, that was great. And another time, like 15 minutes in, I'm crying. And another time, I hate your guts. And another time, I feel like nothing's ever gonna work and I'm broken. And I don't think that's a unique experience to me. But I was like, I never said, because I feel stupid. We feel stupid as women because we are like, oh, yeah, that would be nice if you did that. But I've never had someone.
3: Well, Kirsten, it goes back to exactly that. We it, There's a lot of shame around this, man and female in the bedroom. Once you start talking about these things, we're able to pleasure each other in amazing ways. But if we just act like we can't, let's not talk about it. Let's just assume your only your sexual experiences will only be at a one or a right. two, but if you start having those uh, awkward is how we would normally would feel them, but eventually become beautiful and passionate and romantic conversations, it becomes a wonderful experience. And I love that you had pain. Your pain. Got you interested in how do I fix this pain? How do I learn more? Most doctors are like, I had pain here. And so then I beca- I learned about that. And then I got so interested in that and it helped me so much. I became a doctor. So you're almost like Dr. Sex because you <laughs> had the pain and then you learned. And now you're right. like, wow, that brought me such joy, such freedom. I can't wait for other people to feel this. Yeah, way. and I
1: don't, I don't, I actually want to be clear. I've had long-term female sexual partners and I've always felt this kind of, my uh my partner and I giggle about it because I don't exude sexual confidence like it's not like I know what I'm doing and it's not like I I want to make that really clear because I think sometimes when people are open about it they talk about it everyone's like oh you know more than me or oh you're a sexual dynamo and people like can stick things up your butt and you can have a l spot orgasm while you crochet and that's not true <laughs> Just to be clear, if anyone's thinking that what about if you me, want
3: it when you're crocheting? I know. Come on, Kirsten. I know. Don't I know. kill that I dream, dream for me. Fuck
1: of a blanket. <laughs> but it's like that idea that like even with women, like I have it in been like, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's such an emotional experience, the sexual response cycle too.
2: Well, and not just emotional, but also like intellectual, mental. Yes. Like because you said society and social conditioning teach us as women, you know, in our, in our forties, I hope my daughter's generation is not as stifled, you know, you would say until you go on your own journey, but they teach us that, you know, you're not supposed to feel that way. That's wrong. If you don't orgasm right away, you're causing your partner, you know, all this bullshit that is not relevant towards the experience. Not relevant. None of it. So it's emotional and intellectual, I think.
1: Yes. Yes. I have a friend that I know from the theater. Her name's Courtney Hoffman, and she's now an amazing director and stuff. But I knew her because she was like 19. At, I'm a member of Theater of Note, and we do a bunch of weird punk rocky stuff there.
3: It's a great place.
1: It is a great place. And we were, we were backstage in the alley because it's very tiny. So our backstage is an the alley. And she was talking about this guy that she had just met. And I can tell the story because she actually won an award and told this story in front of people she had this guy that, she, and she hadn't had sex yet. And I was like, don't have sex with him until you've had an orgasm in front of him. And this is advice that I didn't even know for myself. She was like, wait, I was like, I don't care. Like, just masturbate in front of him. Make him do it in front of you. Like, just have an orgasm with him in the room. And she did. She told all of her friends. All of her friends did this. And I remember being jealous. Because we forget that, like, I gave my nieces I gave my nieces vibrators when they were in high school. And my mom was like, that's terrible. And I was like, why? Like, let them know how to do this so they're not searching it out. You know what I mean?
3: That's a cool aunt.
1: What, you know what I mean? And then the <laughs> stigma, don't even get started. The stigma about vibrators and all that. It's like, whatever gets you to God, go there. If someone can blow in your ear and you can get off, great. But you aren't special if someone else needs to get on top of a cement maker while listening to Tesla to get off, get on that thing and play your weird metal cowboy music.
3: (laughs) I have to share this with my friend who actually is the tour manager for Tesla. So this is, again, another thing on the bingo card that I didn't expect. So can I ask a really dumb question, ladies?
2: Yes. I mean, Kirsten's going to (laughs) answer.
3: Yeah. Must one have a vagina to say, I have a female sexual response cycle?
1: No, I mean, there is a a sexual response cycle. I would say the difference is just scientifically, a woman can have an orgasm and not hit resolution. You can stay in arousal. We can have an orgasm and just stay in arousal for like, I don't know. I, I don't think that biologically dudes can do that. Masculine bet people. But hey, why can't you try? That would be my answer. What's your answer, Claire? I don't feel I am knowledgeable enough
2: to answer that, to be honest. You know, I I don't I don't really know. I'm not sure.
3: So for today's purposes, we're probably talking about people who have a vagina and or we'd love to know your experience. If you're like, "I, I don't have a vagina. I do relate to the female sexual response cycle. Great. Let us know.
1: I think that the the thing that I find unique about the female sexual response cycle is the desire bit. I heard someone actually talking about this the other day on something and they were, our desire bit, it's like, it's much longer. It's much more intellectual. It's the day where rock stars, if any of us can do it, get like all juiced up from like five minutes of someone necking. It's like, did I get everything I needed done today? Did something you know what I mean am I am I am I at peace with how I'm interacting with my community and the world? Are my people taken care of? Did you talk to me kindly today? Did, or did you give me a mean look? At, but I know you're cool and I'm into mean looks or whatever <laughs> the fuck it is. But like whatever it is beforehand and we don't give ourselves that. And I'm talking about myself like I forget all the time like You know what? It takes a long time, and that's great. That's great because honestly, if I just had desire and arousal, and I didn't have the da 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 da, which happens a lot, that's okay. That that means that's important still. You know what I mean? Like orgasms are great and all that, but some people can't have them. Some people can't have them with partners for whatever reason, and all that other stuff. I think is very unique to women. Or female bet creatures because it's so many different things that you're looking at. It's not just the one physical thing. That's my take.
3: Yeah, I'll talk to my wife and say, I'd like to have sex tomorrow if that's okay. And she'll be like, thanks for letting me know. And I've noticed that actually will benefit versus me saying like in the same day. If I go like, hey, can we maybe get it on tonight? She might be like, okay. And everyone's different, of course. This is just her. But I do think there is something sweet about that her brain is starting now to... To have the gears going and then the down there starting to have the gears going so she's already kind of preparing herself a little bit for it so that when we're having it it's wonderful and i used to think like oh this this feels again awkward conversations shouldn't it just happen shouldn't it just be normal shouldn't i just kiss her and amazing things happen it's like no we're very interesting complicated people and there's beautiful things to learn
1: yeah and consent consent is so fucking sexy because it's vulnerable yeah. to ask somebody because they could say no, they could say whatever the fuck yeah. they're going to say. So it's that 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 thing that we forget that, like, just asking something is is weirdly hot. I agree.
3: <laughs> so you're welcome, ladies.
1: <laughs> How has understanding
2: the whole response cycle affected you personally has it given you just that knowledge is power freedom from expectations is it your desire to like spread the word
1: and free others i guess
3: yeah do you love talking about it with friends or is this something you kind of keep to yourself
1: i will tell anybody about like a pelvic floor physical therapist or a thing and it's funny because there's two different kinds of female bit creatures there's people that will be like um, wait, what? Or oh, I have that happen, or whatever. And then there's this. There's this woman. I do Pilates, and um, I don't, and we are fine, and everything. And ew. And it's like, okay, you maybe have everything working. I do Pilates too. Like I, you know what I mean. Like we probably can all do cool things with our Kegel muscles. I'm not trying to diss you, like, but it's that like ew. Let's not stare at it or talk about it or you know whatever. So I, yes, I get very excited about talking about it. I used to, and I think I still do, but I use, it used to be more based on like, is this just me? Is this, is this just, is this just me? Like who, who else? And I would get a lot of information from friends be like, yeah, that's, that's just you right now. Because when you try to explain to people like, no, when I have sex, it it hurts or I think it hurts. Or when I have sex, I punch people in the face. Or when I get excited, I get angry or I get ashamed and all that. So it's been, um, like for instance, I don't totally buy astrology, but I think it's a kaleidoscope in which to look at the world, like a lot of other things. I think the same thing about the female sexual response cycle. I think, yes, I like, it's a kaleidoscope in which to look at my fears, my desires. You know, there's this whole thing like this sex magic that I'm, I don't think is such a bad idea, where you think about like the thing you want and then you masturbate and then right when you orgasm, you're supposed to like try to think about it again. I'm like, that might fucking work. You know what I mean? Like just shooting all that energy, like in that way. Yeah.
2: That's like the secret, but adding another component. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So yeah, I think I look at it like he, I mean, I've had to heal it because if you don't, heal it right it's just gonna sit and fester
3: but people do kirsten billions of people are enjoying mediocre sex all the time and we'll never ever talk about it beyond that and i think you have such a a beautiful look at it
1: because they don't have an alternate i agree with you and i think they do it because they're afraid they're i mean i know for me like i still like when i like look at it in in certain ways, like I get like freaked out. You know what I mean? It actually scares the fuck out of me. So I think the reason why people, the alternative to mediocre sex is to get vulnerable about a bunch of other things. And that's too scary. So why not stay in the shallow water? Because there's so much failure in the deep water. And that is, it makes you feel all, all some kind of way it can make you feel great but it can also make you feel terrible. So I think it, that's the other thing I think is so fascinating about it is it's like it's just like a big weird teacher. What should
2: men know who are partnering with females about the sexual response cycle? How should they educate themselves? How should they talk to their partners?
3: Help us. <laughs> if there was one thing, if you could boil it down to one main point to get across.
1: I would say, you know what? Do some of the labor yourself. Like I would say, go learn stuff, go find a book. I actually was going through my, this is just me like walking by my bookshelf, just so we're clear, just walking, just walking by just, I love, I heart female orgasm, the elusive orgasm. This is um, the female pelvis because who doesn't need to know all of the different parts, but this book in particular, the woman's anatomy of arousal my EMDR therapist, because that's one of the things I did to kind of get over some of the nonsense that had happened to me, which is this eye rapid eye movement thing, had recommended that book. And what I like about that book in particular is any book that steps out female sexuality as not like an orgasm, but all of these other things. And for me, it's got pictures and maps and things and you're like, whoa, I didn't know. And it's a very good book. And it's written by someone Sherry Winston, it won some book award from the sexual educators, and it's called The Women's Anatomy of Arousal. So I would say learn stuff and then go to the source. Don't learn stuff and then be like, now I'm going to try it out on you, magic. Go to the person and say, hey, I read this. Is that true for you? You know, I would say that. And also, I think the other thing that we need to do as sexual partners, and I mean this as whatever, however you identify, if you're non-binary, whatever. I believe that sexuality, that that kind of to be sexy with each other, you have to find where you want to sit on the polarity because same, same is not hot to people. Usually if you are like, what does that mean? How do you balance Your energies, like who's going to be more, and it doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, you're more feminine, bet so you're going to be more. It's not about dominant submissive. It's just balancing energy and not, yeah. So I think that that's another thing, like balancing your own energy, so you're not having an expectation that that's that person's job to make you feel like a lady or a dude or whatever. And so you're presenting what you want to offer, and then that person can compliment it. I would say that's the other thing too. It
2: sounds like if you are engaged with a female partner, you should have a ba- – both of both of you would be helpful, but you should have a baseline understanding of anatomy and of, you know, the cycle and the different steps up to orgasm and then
1: after. And understand that that body is its own textbook because there's going to be a body that's like, I never want you to touch my clit or I never want you to be doing this in circles or I need you to whisper the lyrics of I've been to paradise, but I've never been to me by Charlene in my ear while you do circle, like every person is specific based on what's happening. And it could be different each time, Mm -hmm. you know, but there's, you have that
2: baseline under, it's like, Hey, listen, it's like making soup. You always have a broth and then whatever you put in the soup, sometimes you have beef stew. Sometimes you have chicken noodle. Sometimes you have, you know, Jambalaya? I don't great. know. But great. it seems like that baseline needs to be there.
1: I also think it helps to be aware of your sexual response cycle. Cause if you tap out or you become different energetically, like I think that's important. If if you become different energetically after you come, and that person is turned on by your desire of them, but now you're like, I like you, you're great, I like to cuddle. Do you want to put some peanut butter on some crackers? But I'll go down on you instead like that is a different energy than oh my god i'm so into you and i think female bent creatures can get a little like oh well you came so this might be a waste of 45 minutes we're never getting back like it can feel like that you know instead of like taking your pleasure i think it's hard harder so i think that's another thing to know how you respond Do you need this in order to stave it off? Am I making sense? Yes. Kirsten. Yes. Yeah.
3: First off, I just want to say beef stew. Also, not on my bingo card. Thrilled it showed up.
1: Nothing wrong with some beef stew.
2: (laughs) Every once in a while.
3: Yeah. In honor of just our general fanatics episodes, I do kind of have to ask you this. Because we usually ask, you know, you told us about your origin story in a sense that you had some pain and you went to see a pelvic floor specialist. And that's great. So in a sense, though... That's what got you there. But to enjoy the female sexual response cycle, may I kindly ask, do you remember, and you can give us as little or as much detail as you'd like, when you were like, when after maybe that experience, when you're like, let's try it out, where you were like, oh, this is essentially almost your your first time, so to speak. Do you remember <laughs> it?
1: Okay. So my grandmother, I, I grew up in Porterville, California in the Central Valley of California. And um, my grandmother was getting getting rid of some books and she had put it by the tree that I would quite often go pick asparagus and boysenberries and climb up this tree and eat them in silence away from the madness. But she lived in a trailer across the way from our house. So, So I would go and there was a thing there and there were these books and they had the most beautiful cover with the most beautiful woman on it The guy, apparently she couldn't breathe because her shirt, the guy was like tearing her shirt off and she was very beautiful. And I remember like, what is this? And opening it up and it was just like, he's doing what to her nipples? Wait, what? What? And I under, all of a sudden I understood what was happening. And then I was like, I need to be alone with this book. And this is outdoors is not, Need more alone than this. And no one was on the at the house. And it was like an acre of land. So it was like, I need loneliness and who where. Loneliness. And I ran into my grandmother's bathroom, just overjoyed with like something is about to happen that is incredibly special. And I don't know what it is, but I'm doing it. And I, but I knew it had something to do with that. So I got into my grandmother's bathroom and I closed the door. So I got that far. I was like, no one is coming home. This door is locked. I'm at the trailer. I'm not even at my house, and I'm gonna do something with this book and these words, but I don't know exactly what it is. And suddenly, I thought, "Oh, I know! I'm gonna do a bad push-up on the toilet," which just meant like going to do a push-up, but then letting your pelvis fall on the like the front round edge. The toilet was closed, <laughs> and then like waiting for it and going through the whole thing. But the sad thing is, is that I, when I would come, I didn't was so scared of it because of what had happened. I would throw my whole body off and lay on the ground. Um, no one in the house knew why the toilet seats kept breaking. I broke like three of them because I was a very broad backed child, but that was it. That's
2: freaking amazing! This
3: is—I can't wait for the movie, the coming of age movie. It's just she just really be called coming of age, and it's just the toilet seat is the is the avatar. I love it. Coming
1: of age—that's it. That's it.
3: Kirsten, this this is an absolute joy. I hate that we're ending this podcast, but you're gonna
1: have to
2: come on for part two. That's for sure.
3: Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Okay, sure. Can you please regale us with a love letter to this wonderful, wonderful?
1: Oh. Okay. Dear female sexual response cycle. Oh, we have had a time. And I know that I should probably dedicate a paragraph to each part of you, but I'm not going to do that because this podcast is 20 minutes and because I don't know what part of you I need more than other parts of you depending upon the day. I will tell you that you have taught me much and you are terrifying. I appreciate the mysteries that you hold. I appreciate that when I think about you, it feels like I'm at the Lilith Fair. I appreciate the Lilith Fair and that reminding me that the sexual response cycle is okay. Look up the Lilith Fair if you don't know what it is. I appreciate you helping me confront me with my own sexuality that is, and and that you've taught me that sexuality is unnegotiable. And I appreciate you always returning me back and reminding me that it will always live inside of me. And that's a beautiful, wonderful, great, fantastic thing. And not a thing to feel not enough about because I feel like sometimes I'm not queer enough or I don't or I'm not um, straight enough to be able to work you right. And I appreciate that you show up in so many different ways and you're available to everybody no matter what age you are as long as you connect to the divine feminine in whatever way you do. and. I hope we're friends forever, and I think we will be, and thank you for putting in a good word for me in flag, and also, I decided that my female sexual response cycle was on the flag team, because apparently there's a flag team, and I want to say that I will continue to be angry at you, and try not to be. And I I thank you for being a vessel in which I can put all of my stuff into. And I will remind myself that I need to empty that vessel and clean it out energetically and then fill it back up again all the time, not just with sex, but with art and deep breaths and hand massages. Thank you for being there. Love your friend, Kirsten. Beautiful
0: Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.
2: David, I think that's incredibly smart of you to prep your partner with, hey, I'm thinking about this for tomorrow, you know, and to get that desire and excitement stage going over a 24-hour period because, as discussed, for some women, not everyone, but for some, you do need to, like, mentally check things off a list before you're able to release, you know, yourself physically into the euphoric state of the uh, sexual response cycle. And I think that's just really great insight. What made you think to do that?
3: I just, you know, my hope, I guess, is through... Just years of marriage of trying to listen and understand that, you know, there's things that I want. There's things that she wants. And I know that prepping her has always been a good thing. She really appreciates about me that I don't shy away from conflict. She's someone who's like, bye, and we'll go into a closet if there's conflict that comes up. But she appreciates that I don't. That's why she she'll say she, she married me. One of the reasons is because I'm someone who will be like, hey. Let's talk about this. And she's like, I don't want to, but I know this is a good thing. And I think similarly, she appreciates that I would bring up like, hey, like sex would be really fun. And, you know, I know sometimes it could just be an hour. it could be an hour later it could be a day later it could be half a day but just giving her her brain cuz she's a she's a head person right going back to our enneagram talk like she's a 5 and fives are very much in their head about a lot of things so that's where it all starts for her so if i can get the idea going then it circulates. But I don't think I really knew it more than just like this is I think helpful for my wife. I loved Kirsten talking about this is something that she's like it could be a whole day for me and prepping and thinking about it and you're like I get it now. I it, it gave a little bit of science to me this thing that I was doing with my wife, and it feels even better now because I'm like, yeah, right. For boys though, unfortunately or fortunately, it's like show us a boob and we'll be like, aye, aye, yeah, ay, ay. yeah, yeah. So that <laughs> I think for ladies, that's it's a similar exact thing is happening. It just isn't. It isn't <laughs> certainly. I'm pretty sure is not. A picture of a male dong, but I think it's something to be shown, right? Like, or even if it's just a kind word, it's it's still something that starts the spark, and it could be an hour, a day, two days. But I I just think it's the same concept, but it's not a boob and it's not a dong. It's something else.
2: <laughs> well, it's funny because understanding the sexual response cycle gives context to any situation, like anything else, you know, and it it it's somewhat of a formula if you follow the formula of excitement and desire you understand the plateau you are able to you know mentally and physically be present uh, you know for the orgasm and then the resolution there's a formula to follow and whether that formula takes 48 hours a week 20 minutes 3 minutes you know as she said you know whatever everyone has their kinks uh, and it, it it gives context to the mystery, I guess, of of like how to achieve, you know, whatever your body's capable of at any given time. Yeah. And, you know, some people may go into a sexual situation and not even have the achievement be viewed as the orgasm, Yeah, you know. Maybe maybe for some it's just the excitement and the desire phase, you know.
3: Yeah. And that's totally cool. Or just the in- intimacy. Yeah, it's just, just being – naked with someone else like it's really I I I loved how she broke it down and it gave such weight to because you know I think we put a lot of weight I know I do sometimes well I'll, I'll even ask <laughs> I'll be really honest here I'll ask my wife afterwards I'm like just making sure like you had to know like like to me going that's important and now Kirsten kind of reminds me now you know what? She doesn't have to. And even my wife will be like, I didn't have one right now, but I I so enjoyed this moment. And so I think there's something really special about kind of not putting the orgasm on the pedestal all the time. You know what I mean? And that putting all these other things. Yeah.
2: Well, and lifting the expectations. Lifting the expectations. One thing that I thought was interesting is like, you know, when we were growing up and Kirsten and I are around the same age, nobody wanted to label anything. You didn't want to label yourself as this or that or you didn't want to label the sex or label – it was all kind of like free thinking or unspoken, unsaid. And nowadays – Sometimes I get, you know, not irritated, but sometimes I get overwhelmed with all the labels because everybody wants to label exactly what, you know, what this is, what that sexuality is, how they view themselves or their partners or whatever. There's a lot of labels floating around. These labels I find helpful. Yeah. You know, and, and and I think there's actually it, it gave me new insight and appreciation into why this generation is into labeling yeah. because labeling is knowledge, it's knowledge helpful. is power, power is freedom. So there's my takeaway.
3: My wife and I, we didn't we didn't talk a lot. We just thought we should assume a lot. And then only when we started talking is when there would be a lot more pleasure happening. So now it's very rare where there's not an orgasm involved for, for her, especially, which is great. But I think it goes back to, you know, you got to walk through those moments of shame and labeling helps take away shame 100%. When you can say this is a thing, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, well, now I have words for it. So it's not just me fighting my childhood here. I'm actually able to talk it out, and wow, when we talk it out, we're we get to have a really good time here. So it's it's hard to you know see the forest through the trees. Yep, I love it.
2: All right, David,
3: tell the folks where they can find us and other good
2: episodes of Fanatics.
3: Oh, I would love to do that. Thank Claire. you. You could find it on. Spotify, Apple. Are you a SoundCloud person? Heck, you want to go to our website? Wearefanatics.com. W-E-A-R-E-F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S dot com. .com. And it's got all the episodes. But this one, this one is a little extra special, my friends. And if you liked it, five stars it up. Like, subscribe, share all the things. We appreciate it. Thank you for being a fan of us. We are fans of you And we'll see you next Thursday with something probably a tad less sexual, for better or worse.
2: Bye. Coming up next week on Fanatics, we have Jamie Kaler, the comedian Jamie, also a friend of mine, Jamie. He's from, of course, my boys, Dad's in Parks, Heather's uh, Friends, Robot Chicken, and the Parent Lounge podcast. Jamie is coming on to talk about his love of good service. So we will see you guys next Thursday to talk about all things good service. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. All right, David, hit it.
3: Doctor Who. Beef Stew. Sexy Time. With you. David Tennant, we know you're listening.